Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Buenas noches y bonsoir y guten abend. <laughs> yeah, I was wow, doing some languages, languages there. But welcome to our seminar on how to learn a foreign language with success. And I'm going to start with a little story. There was a mama mouse and her little baby mices walking across the street. And all of a sudden, this big, bad, threatening cat came stalking right out of the shadows, just ready to pounce. And the little ones were scared. The little ones were squeak, 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 squeak. But that brave mama, she just turned around and she went, woof, woof, wow, 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 wow. And that cat went running away so fast. And the mama turned to her little mice and she said, I told you kids, it's very important to know a foreign language. So... Who should learn a foreign language? Everybody. And Americans are really bad at it because we're sort of ethnocentric, which means we're sort of centered in our own culture because we're not, it's not like Europe when you go from one country to another. It's like going to a state from state to state to us, but they're going from country to country. So I noticed when I was in Europe that most people knew several languages. So tonight, that's what we're going to discuss is how and when and where and all the ins and outs of learning a foreign language. And just so I, I want to prove to you, I'm not a fly by night. This is what I do for a living. Uh, my name, for those of you that don't know me, is Carla Hayes. And I am the CEO of LanguaLearn Communications. I started this company way back on this very day in, 19, in um, 1989. So this is our 31st anniversary. So you're, you're helping me to celebrate LanguaLearn's birthday. In fact, tonight, if you will stick with me through this entire presentation, I'm going to let you take advantage of a 31st anniversary LanguaLearn special that I'm running tonight. So you'll just have to wait to the end to find out what that is. But anyhow, I've been teaching languages and translating and doing things like that for around 40 years, I would say. I've taught in several schools. In fact, I still teach part-time at Central Christian Academy. I've been there 31 years. In fact, they need a foreign language teacher part-time 31 years ago when I was starting the business. And I said, oh, why not? And it, it was a good move. So that's who I am and what I do. So let's start with some of the questions. In English, we're always taught who, what, when, where, why, how type questions. And that's how I'm going to outline this tonight. First of all, why do you want to learn a foreign language? That's the first question you need to ask yourself because it's going to help you to establish your language learning goals. There are several reasons you might want to study a foreign language. First, you're going to be traveling to another country that speaks another language. And believe me, it does help if you know the language in the country where you are traveling. It's, it, makes, it makes your trip so much easier. A second reason might be for work. Maybe your company works with a foreign company or you have foreign clientele. You have uh, Maybe it's a requirement. Maybe your company would pay somebody like me to teach you a language. I, I get a lot of corporate customers and do corporate classes. So it might be for work. A third reason might be to enhance your career opportunities. And you might say, well, that, that was work, wasn't it? Well, there's a little bit more. 
A career in foreign languages is something you might want to consider if you're looking for a career. You might think about being a translator or an interpreter or a language teacher or even doing foreign language voiceover or some some journalistic job. There, there are so many jobs in foreign languages if you love languages. International relations. Second career consideration is that knowing another language can make you more employable. And those of us who are blind, they, all, they always keep saying 70% of us are underemployed or unemployed. Well, this might bump that down a few notches and make us more employable. Who knows? A lot of companies do hire people that know another language. So let's talk about another reason, which might be that a particular language might be part of your, your heritage, of your history, of your nationality, part of your family. And maybe you have family members that live in other countries and speak those languages. Or maybe your grandparents spoke to you in a different language when you were growing up. The fifth reason might be simply for personal enrichment. Learning a foreign language can really, can really help in that line because it can help you learn more about your own language and other cultures and customs, more vocabulary, more people skills. Also, learning a new skill, as, including a language, will help to improve your memory and keep your brain limber. And they say that it staves off things like Alzheimer's disease. But again, I'm going to state the reason that you decide to study a foreign language is going to dictate your language learning goals, how deeply, how, how fluent you want to be. And by the way, do you know what fluency is? Fluency is sort of it's flow. It's being able to speak the language and communicate in a language without thinking about it. And there are five skills that you have to work for in fluency, and they are listening, speaking, reading, writing, and comprehension. And an important thing to remember is that fluency is not just how much of a language you know, but how long has it been in your system? Because if you've been learning a language over a longer period of time and dealing with that language longer, it becomes more automatic. In fact, my first indication that I have made progress in languages, and I've been through this about six or seven times, is that when I have my first dream in a language, I know that I'm on the way to fluency because it's become part of me. So that's something to keep in mind. Okay, so let's go to... Another consideration, we did the who and the um, why you should learn a foreign language. Now let's talk about when. When is the best time to learn a language? Now people say, well, it's best to learn as a child. And if you're an adult, you're too old, you can't teach a dog, an old dog new tricks. Well, that's a bunch of hogwash. <laughs> that's a bunch of hooey. I just want to tell you that in my experience, my youngest student was a two-year-old and my oldest was 84. And the only reason I don't have the 84-year-old anymore is because he went to be with Jesus. So he's not with us anymore. Now I'm sure he knows all the languages in the world. But let's talk about the childhood advantage. What are the advantages of learning the language as a child? Young children tend to be like little sponges. They tend to pick up a foreign language quickly and easily because they are in the process of learning their own native tongue. And they are also less inhibited and eager to learn and to try new things and to experiment. 
and they're fascinated by things like that. However, the childhood disadvantage is that young children will not have, they will have more difficulty grasping abstract concepts. So when, you know, they might have trouble with, if you're really trying to teach them in a formalized way, you you can't teach them as advanced concepts. They might have trouble with verb conjugations and things like that. So when you're teaching a child or when children are learning, you've got to keep it simple. Games, songs, and other fun activities will really help. And that two-year-old that I taught was part of a family that was going to live in South America. And um, how I taught her is we played with her Barbies. We played Barbies together. And some of my Barbies, too. I still have them. And we would play and talk about the Barbies' clothes and the colors and make the Barbies talk to each other in Spanish. And that's how we played uh, with the children at school and my homeschool classes. Sometimes when we're doing the parts of the body, we'll play Simon Says in Spanish. So it's a matter of keeping it simpler, you know, if you're thinking about languages for children. Now, let's talk about the adulthood advantage. And you are all adults. So learning languages as an adult is, is not impossible. In fact, it's very doable. Adults are more motivated to learn. Maybe you're learning it for business. Maybe you're doing it because you want to, not because you're forced to, to fulfill a language requirement in school. So you can choose. And so you're going to be more motivated. And if you're paying for that language lesson, or those, those courses, then you're going to be motivated from that way, and, and you want to succeed. So motivation is one thing, and also adults have a larger vocabulary in English and even other languages that they might have picked up along the way, even words from other languages, which will help in the learning of a foreign language and help you make connections. Adults also have more maturity and previous life experiences that can be very, very helpful and make language learning much easier. And of course, adults can grasp abstractions. So those are some of the advantages. And it's also easier for adults to grasp really some of the deep nuances of culture that, that may not register with children. And culture is an important part of the language. Although children are like little sponges, they'll pick it up. However, the disadvantages, many adults are more inhibited And this could impede your progress. You might be less likely to want to babble and experiment with the sounds like on the French nasals, like, oh, uh, uh, oh. And I always tell people to say, un bon vin blanc, un bon vin blanc, a good white wine. But sometimes adults feel sort of, sort of, sort of silly going, Mm, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm not trying to say we're children. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and my adults, when I'm teaching, when I'm teaching anybody French and we're doing the French art, we gargle. I'm not kidding you. I, I'll give the whole class a bunch of Dixie cups of water and we'll be there gargling and then uh, swallowing the water and making the R in the back of our throats. And some adults feel really, really foolish doing those kinds of things. And certainly older high school students sometimes have a hard time with that. But hey, you can do it. You can do it as an adult. So we did the who, we did the why, we did <laughs> sort of um, the when. Now let's talk about the what. So what language should you choose? And there's a lot to consider here. This will depend on your interest, why you're learning the language in the first place. We've already talked about that. So 
You'll have particular reasons for particular languages. What will you use that language for? Where are you going? What language do they speak there? And also, of course, your abilities. And, and I'll get into that a little bit later about different languages and different strengths and weaknesses that they take. So, so those are all going to help you to answer the, the what question. And now we'll add another one to the question where it's which. Which language would be easiest um, for you to study? And everybody always thinks, oh, Spanish is easier. I'm going to take Spanish because it's just easy. You just put an O on the end of it and you're good to go. Not so fast, ladies and gentlemen, not so fast. There are some aspects of Spanish that are easy, but there are parts that are not so easy. So um, it's going to depend on um, which language um, you choose. It's going to depend on a number of factors. First of all, it will be easier for you if you choose a language that uses the alphabet of your native language, at least the same letters. Maybe some of them might have a few more letters or a few less, but at least the same letter configurations. English uses the Roman alphabet, and so does Spanish and French and German and Italian. And so if you're starting off on familiar ground with familiar characters, that helps, even though they may not be pronounced that way. From there, consider language families. And yes, languages have families. I have in my classroom this big language tree, and it shows a tree of just the Indo-European group, and the trunk is Indo-European, and one branch is the Romance languages. And Romance languages have nothing to do with love. They have to do with they come from Rome. They come from Latin. They, their mother tongue is Latin. And they are languages like Latin, of course, the mother tongue. They are Italian, which is Latin's most direct descendant. Spanish, Portuguese, Catalan, which is sort of a dialect of Spanish. French is one, and French is probably the most far removed because you had a lot of influence by the Germanic tribes in France during the Middle Ages. Then you have another group called the Germanic languages, and it doesn't take a lot of, of imagination to guess one of the languages that's in that group. Ding, 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 ding. Yep, you're right. German. German is a Germanic language. But guess what? English is also a Germanic language. It's part of that same group. And these languages, among some others, come from the Proto-Germanic language. Proto-Germanic was its mother tongue. It's not spoken anymore. So, um, of course, um, when you're studying, when you consider the common languages, the ones that are studied in school, let's take them one at a time. French if you're a bad speller, stay away from it because it's difficult to spell and difficult to pronounce. You have to make sounds that we don't even make in English. And I'm gonna, I don't want to get too technical on, technical on you, but there's a linguistic term, and it's called the phoneme-grapheme correspondence. And what that is is basically letter-sound correspondence. And it means how many ways is there to spell a particular sound? So... Spanish is 1 to 1.5, so there's about 1.5 ways to spell each sound that's in the language. And German is about 1 to, I think, 1, one to 6. Maybe, maybe it's, a little bit, it's a little bit more than Spanish. Latin is 1 to 1. English is 1 to 23 if you're using an abridged dictionary and 1 to 39 if you're using an unabridged dictionary. 
But French is up there too. French is like one to five or one to six. It, it's really high. So, so the spelling is going to be difficult. But the good news about French is that it's the, the vocabulary and the grammar are relatively easy. The, the grammar, I think, in French is easier than Spanish grammar. And the vocabulary, a lot of our English words actually come to us through French. I don't have time to get into why, but they do. Spanish? Okay. Yes, it's an easy language to spell. It's pretty much one-to-one, one-to-one point five correspondence from letters, how many ways it is to spell a sound, phoneme graphing. But to tell you the truth, the grammar gets a little more hairy the further you go um, through the levels of Spanish. I think, I think um, Spanish grammar is more difficult than French grammar any day. That's my own personal opinion. You may disagree with me. German? Okay. German vocabulary is easy for us to recognize a lot because we have a lot of German vocabulary in our vocabulary and a lot of German roots. And there's a lot of German similarities between strong verbs, things like, you know, sing, zingen, to sing. And we have zingen, sang, ist gesungen. That's sort of like sing, sang, sung. And just a lot of, you know, gut is like good. Good morning. Good morning. Don't you see how similar that is? So the spelling and the vocabulary are very simple. It won't be very difficult for an English person. However, there is that matter of grammar. German grammar is a bear. (laughs) It is a bear. And then, of course, there are those long, long compound words. Even the word for compound word is a compound word in German. By the way, it's it's zusammengesetztes Wort. It means put together word. And I got to tell you a funny story. I was doing some translating for a company, and we were putting together draft diagrams of machines, of all things desiccant air dryers. And we had a machine part that was the size of my little fingernail that took 57 letters in German for its name. So actually the part was smaller than the word. So we ended up doing letter keys for that draft diagram because those words wouldn't fit on the page. So when you get into other language groups, like when you get into the Eastern languages like Japanese and Chinese and even several of the different dialects of Russian, you're dealing with different alphabets, pictograms, Cyrillic alphabet, and that will add another layer of challenge to your foreign language studies. So that's sort of an overview of the, um, you know, the who, the what, the where. We're going to get into the how in a few minutes. I'm going to, um, I want to um, talk about the best ways to study and learn a language. But before I do that, I want to open this up to a few questions. Does anybody have any questions at this point? Okay. Before I tell you how to raise your hand, um, Carla, perchance, do you have background um, music going on? Oh, um, I'm sorry. There was a thunderstorm, and um, I was trying to assuage my dog. Just a minute. Let me get rid of that. Um, I wish you had mentioned that. I'm sorry. Alexa, stop. But see, I'm trying to calm him down. I have him sort of locked in the kitchen, and I guess the sound was bleeding through. I didn't know my microphone was that good, but I wish I'd known that at the beginning. Sorry, it's, it wasn't that loud. It's just I could hear. Um. Anyway, um. So we do have some questions, but it's Alt Y on your computer, Option Y on your Mac, um, Star Six if you're on a phone with a keypad. No, no, no. Well, that's to unmute, but star nine if you're on a phone with a keypad. And then in the lower right-hand corner, there's a more with a raise hand option feature. So 
The first person that has a question is Deborah Armstrong. Feel free to unmute. Now, you probably will be answering this in the house. I'm going to keep it short, but I hope you will answer it in the how. I know that techniques for learning languages have really changed over the years because I studied German and Spanish in high school. I did really well. And now I'm in my 60s. And when I went back to take Spanish, the methods were all so visual now and so on the computer and with your um, study lab. So I in the in the um, how I'm hoping you'll talk about um, how to ask for accommodations without cramping the instructor's style, especially when it is more visual. Thank you. I'll go back on mute now. Okay, and I, I will say this: that um, if you are if you are studying in a class, uh, I would say that to ask for accommodations, the accommodations that you may need would be simple. First of all, try to get the material in advance so that you can get the texts that they are using in a more uh, accessible format. And then if they're writing on a board or doing something, ask them to just tell you what they're doing and what they are writing. Sometimes you have to train them a little bit. And you're not only, they're not only doing you a favor, but they're doing the other students a favor too. So um, I, I wouldn't feel bad about asking for that accommodation, but thanks for the question. Um, there's one more question. Uh, your last four digits are 0318. Feel free to unmute. Yes, my name is Pat and I'm from Pensacola, Florida. Um, I'd like to work on some more of my Spanish. I have lots of Spanish neighbors and um, I was wondering if Hadley School still offered conversational Spanish? They do. In fact, they're going to be one of my resources. They've cut back on their language programs, but they still have the conversational Spanish. Okay, because I don't know if any, I'm sure some of the colleges here in town probably offer it too. I don't know, but I'm just thinking of something I could do at my own pace, you know, and mm -hmm. so, because I'm 61, so. <laughs> so am I, so. <laughs> I'm learning Italian. Oh, wow. Cool. Well, thank you. You're quite welcome. Diane, feel free to unmute. Okay, thank you. Um, well, I think if I'm going to learn a language, it's going to be Italian because I've studied French and I've studied Spanish. Um, what can you tell me about learning Italian, Carla? Well, okay, Italian I think of as a a cross between Spanish and French, okay? In the Spanish, you have a lot of the similar pronunciation. Um, the pronunciation and some of the verb inflections are very similar. But you also have some of the French characteristics, like the French doubled letters, the French partitives, you know, the things, you know, how you have the de and du, like um, du fromage, some cheese, um, they they do a lot of that in in, in Italian, so that it has some French characteristics and some Spanish characteristics. And if you're in Bookshare, the first book I borrowed from Bookshare, and everybody groaned when I was in a Bookshare users group, and they asked what was your first book you download uh, downloaded. I'm trying to remember the exact title, but it was something like a comparative grammar of Spanish, French, and Italian, and <laughs> it 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 would be a good book. Um, 
if you could get that. But um, but yes, so, so that's what you can expect. And it is part of the romance languages. And so that's what I would tell you. It's sort of a cross. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Diane. Uh, Jason Smith, feel free to unmute. Uh, yes, I was kind of going to ask a, a similar question. I was going to ask if you have experience in, in Spanish or French, does that make it easier or or is it more confusing to try to learn a, a similar language like Italian? Both, because, um, well, I made a mistake one time of trying to learn three languages at once, and I finally had to let one go for a while and then bring it back later. Because sometimes you can, um, it the similarities, um, the, the process is going to be very similar. Some of the words will be similar, but sometimes that can be, that can be your worst enemy too, because sometimes you have what's called interference problems. I know when I was majoring in French and Spanish in college, which were my first two majors, and I went back and got the German then while I was teaching school. But um, we would have a three hour and 40 minute essay entirely in Spanish for our final in the morning, and then one in French. And uh, I remember in in French one day, uh, some Spanish prepositions sort of crept into my final. <laughs> and I remember my French teacher saying, what is a modismo? <laughs> it means an idiom in Spanish. And, just, and you know, the time that um, I spelled Canada with a K, because all Germans, and that's how the Germans spelled it. I said, you know what, it's time to get a, uh, a spell checker when I'm doing English. But don't use it if you're doing multilingual, because it'll flag every word. But I hope that answered your question. You have to be careful. There are cognates. A cognate is a word that's the same or almost the same in more than one language. So there are a lot of cognates. But you also have to be careful with what the French call des faux amis, false friends. They are false cognates. For example, the word gift, G-I-F-T, in German does not mean a present. It means poison. <laughs> That's the most outrageous example I could think of. Um, there's the word hell, H-E-L-L, -L, and it doesn't mean that place with fire and brimstone. It means light colored. And I'll tell you, my German one students have a field day with some of, some of the words like that. And those are all your questions for now, Carla. Okay, so I'm going to go into the final um, couple of segments of my program. And in this segment, I'd like to talk about the best ways to learn a language with success. The very best ways I'm going to go from the top. First of all, you can take a class. There are classes offered through colleges, community colleges, church groups, sometimes companies like mine where you can get a bunch of people together, get a teacher and say, hey, we're going to go to France on vacation. Can we have a French class? So a class. And the advantage of a class is that you get the interaction with the other students. You can help each other. You're not always on the hot seat. You can learn from your mistakes, but you can learn from other students' mistakes too. And you can learn from their successes and they can learn from yours. The second way is to study with a private teacher. Advantage, you can schedule more flexibly. You have that teacher's undivided attention. Your course can be structured to, uh, specifically to your needs. But <laughs> the most terrifying disadvantage is you are on the hot seat all the time. Of course, that's a good thing because you've got to know what you're doing. And um, so 
try to find yourself a good teacher. That's, that's a good way to do it. Um, you can also do the third thing is called total immersion. And people say to me, well, it's best to just use total immersion, just go to the country and eventually you'll get thrown into the culture and you'll learn it. Yeah, but it's going to be a bit painful. I would suggest, well, it's like the difference between jumping into a swimming pool, you know, full force, or just putting your toe in and putting your leg in. I would suggest maybe learning the basics of the language before you go. And that way, when you do get totally immersed, the immersion experience will be much more successful and you'll learn faster. And um, one thing you don't want to do is to take an intensive language course and just say, okay, I'm going to take five days, eight hours a day, and I'm going to learn French. And I've had people approach me to do this. And I'll do it for them under emergency circumstances, but it's sort of like cramming for a test. You will learn it short term, but you'll forget much quicker because you won't have, and you won't have as much time to assimilate each of the concepts and each of the levels. And so I would not recommend that. So that's total immersion. Then when you get a little further along, you might want to join conversational groups and speak with people that speak the language, and they can give you some, some pointers too. And right on the ACB community, we have two of them. We have a, a Spanish conversation group that's on Monday nights, and I never get to do these things because I have other classes at the time, and there's a, a Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Sprechen Sie Deutsch is, I think, Tuesdays at nine, so that's at least two of them. But there are other groups and colleges and even your personal library, your um, your Public library sometimes has conversational groups and tables that get together, have a meal, speak a language. Not now with coronavirus, but they, you know, you could do it on Zoom, I guess. All right, then there are other ways. Let's say you're going to do it solo, and I'm not going to recommend that if you're really serious about learning a language to do it solo. But there are ways to explore a language on your own. First of all, there are a lot of books and audio recordings, and then um, you can find some of them and try them out for free at your local public library. And um, I'm also going to give you some resources. So this is where you might want to do some writing. I'm going to give you some resources of, of places that you can get language courses and maybe a few to look for. Let's start with some free resources that are accessible resources. One is, believe it or not, NLS, the National Library Service. There are a lot of things on BARD if you go up and you look in Braille and in audio. I'm going to give you a few just in case you're interested. There's Spanish for Dummies. I hate that title. Nobody's a dummy. But it does simplify. The Dummies courses are good because it does. they do simplify things. But there's Spanish for Dummies, and that's DB. 57058. And then Berlitz is a very well-known language teaching company, and they have a lot of Berlitz self-teachers. There's the Berlitz self-teacher French, and it's in Braille, and you can get it hard copy, but you can get it in web Braille, and it's BR08529. Then there's the Berlitz self-teacher German, which is BR08533, and the Berlitz Self-Teacher Italian, which I have gone through, and it's um, BR08539. Um, 
08667, and the Berlitz Self Teacher Spanish, which is BR15673. These are older books, but they are, they're good. What they do is they'll, they'll give, it, it's presented in a, in a conversational way, and there are also phonetic pronunciations after everything, and some of them have study questions at the end, too. Another well-known series is the Living Language series. So if you can look for Living Language at the library, at the public library and bookstores, there's Travel Talk, and there are very other other there are various other favor, flavors of living language. But um, on Bard, there's Drive Time French, beginner level, and that's DB8739. And there's Drive Time Japanese, which is DB8742. So th- those are just a few, and I'm not going to go through any more of those, but I just wanted to give you an idea of how much they have. Another free resource, of course, is, of course, the Hadley Institute. It used to be called the Hadley School for the Blind. And you can contact them at Hadley, H-A-D-L-E-Y dot E-D-U. Their phone number is 800-323-4238. They used to offer a lot of language courses but they've cut back and all they have now is a conversational Spanish course. But I thought I would give that to you. Now there are some paid services, paid subscription services like Bookshare, bookshare bookshare.org. They have a lot of language literature and textbooks in electronic formats. And I even found the cat in the hat in Latin which was very amusing to read. So you can just sort of go through there and peruse. And if you're not a member, maybe it could be free if your local library subsidizes Hadley, or I'm sorry, Bookshare memberships. Another paid subscription service that used to be free is Learning Ally. And it offers recorded books. And there are a lot of language textbooks and literature books. And it's at learning, L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G-A-L-L-Y.org. And their email, by the way, if you want to contact them, is custserv, C-U-S-T-S-E-R-V, at learningally.org. Okay, and you're going to be surprised when I tell you this, but the American Printing House for the Blind can be a very valuable resource. They have foreign language textbooks that you can purchase in hard copy, uh, large print, and Braille, and they also have electronic files of a lot of these books. And they are textbooks for various languages. And to access them, you need to go through APH's Project Louie. And I'm going to give you the website and the phone number and the extension for that. And it's Louis after Louis Braille. So it's Louis, L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot org. And then you can call their main number, which is 1-800-223-1839. And the extension for Louis is extension 705. So those are sort of the, let's say, the language materials that are available in accessible formats. And of course, you could locate a translator or use OCR and scan a lot of stuff for yourself with varying results, I must add, because I've been there and done that. 
But there are a lot of commercially available audio courses that have books and, and um, computer downloads. And some of them I like Berlitz. I like Barron's. Barron's has a lot of conversational language courses. I like Berlitz. I like the Living Language, the Travel Talk series. There's a series called Learn Language in Your Car, and they give you three levels. And I've, I have it in Spanish and French and Italian, and it presents grammatical concepts. And it repeats it in English once and then in language, in the language twice. And one of the older series that I like is Conversaphone. That's another good one. But I'm going to give you a very good resource an excellent resource for commercial foreign language print and audio courses and downloads. It's called the Audio Forum. The Audio Forum can be accessed at www.audioforum.com. And so for over, they have for over 500, they have five, over 500 titles across over 60 different languages. And the audio form was started as an audio recording production house for the US State Department Foreign Language Institute. And before they became a commercial producer of, of language materials for the general public. So they have a lot of the DSI language courses and they've been in existence for 40 years. And I have a lot of their materials. LanguaLearn has a lot of things because I tend to teach towards learning styles of my students. And so I draw on a lot of things. Okay, another thing you can do is you can explore media in the language you are studying. Foreign language newspapers online. Foreign language radio online. Ask the A-Lady to play some foreign language stations. Ask, um, um, go on your cable TV channels and find the Spanish channels and try to watch some of the programs in those languages. And of course, there are podcasts. And then I would like to also share with you an excellent website. It is, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spell this out for you, but it's conversationexchange.com, C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N. E-X-C-H-A-N-G-E dot com. And in, on this site, you can find pen pals in other languages. You can find articles about language study and a lot of valuable resources for learning a foreign language. And I wouldn't be remiss if I didn't mention the apps. There are apps. And I'm going to talk about the three most popular apps. But I want to say one thing about apps. Don't think you're going to learn a language just by using an app. Think of an app as a supplement, a supplement to a good teacher, a supplement to a good class. And I have to tell you a funny story. Sometimes somebody will say, well, what do you think of Rosetta Stone? And I used to go, I don't do that anymore. But <laughs> that's my professional opinion. No, it's not. My professional opinion is there's nothing wrong with Rosetta Stone or any of these things. If you realize that they're just a supplement. I want to ask you something. Would you just take Centrum Vitamins and get all your nutrition from Centrum Vitamins and substitute them for your three meals a day and all the foods that you eat? Of course not. That's what you are doing if you try to learn exclusively from an app. 
So I'm not going to put down the apps because they're good for what they do, but just treat them as supplements and maybe ways of exploring a language before you delve in. So let's talk about the three main players. The original, the first one that came on the scene was Rosetta Stone. And you can still get to Rosetta Stone on the web at www.rosettastone.com. And Rosetta Stone is very visual, lots of pictures. It's not very easy to learn a language with. It's not very, I don't find it very accessible. I, I tried to look at it just for students. And I've had a lot of students that walk in here that are Rosetta Stone failures. And and they've told me that they're, they're just, you know, even they were sighted and it was, you know, it was, it was very difficult. But on the other hand, when we started using it in, in conjunction with another course, it was a great supplement, but they use lots of pictures. Um, and, but one thing interesting about Rosetta Stone is they do have an accessibility page for maximizing screen readers and things like that. And they have an accessibility number that's right on that page. So you might want to check them out. The second one that you hear all the time on the radio is Babbel, Babbel, all these Babbel commercials. And you could go to www.babbel.com, probably named after the Tower of Babel in the Bible, Babel in the Bible, try saying that 10 times. Again, lots of pictures, but they have a slightly different approach. They also use a lot of dialogues and real life natural conversations, but again, not very accessible. The third one I'm going to tell you about is Duolingo, Duolingo, D-U-O-L-I-N-G-O. In fact, we've had a community event presentation. I believe it was on June 30th, and somebody got on and demonstrated Duolingo. And to get to them, you go to www.duolingo.com. It's free. It's free. There is a paid version. Um, Babel and Rosetta Stone are not free. The most, it is, in my opinion, the most accessible of those three apps that I've talked about. There are, there are Duolingo apps for iOS and also for Android. And there's a PC version, but the PC is not as accessible. It's not as accessible to do it on your PC. But it will interest you to know that I'm using it on my Braille Note Touch and my touch plus. And the beauty of that is I get to see how the words are spelled and I don't have to worry about a slippery screen. But just remember, when you're dealing with these apps, you can't learn from an app. It's just a vitamin. You need your food. So that's all I'm going to say about the apps. Um, but uh, that that's really important to keep that in mind. Um, so in person is the best way to learn a language. Now for a conclusion, okay, I just want to, I hope that you've enjoyed my presentation and I want to make good on my offer and then I'm going to open it up for questions. But since you stayed with me this long and you didn't fall asleep, I didn't hear any snoring. That's one reason I had that background music going to keep you awake. <laughs> no, I wish I had known about that. But anyhow, I do apologize. But we are running today for Lingua Learn's birthday, a special. And this special and I want you to unmute for this, okay? Because I, I, this is a class participation thing. So I just unmute everybody. Just, just everybody unmute. You guys unmute.
Okay, so how turn many... Off, turn off your background sounds, please. If so how have, many of you would like to learn five speak learn to speak five languages in under a minute? Am I on? You're on. <laughs> no. yeah. 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 Five languages. Five languages under a minute. You can time me. Okay, what letter comes after B? See, there you just said yes in Spanish and Italian. Two for the first one. Okay, another word for us. Say again. Another word for us. The subject. We there you just said yes in French. Okay, what number comes after eight? And do not say eight nine. Nine. Yeah, you just said no in German. What state? What state borders Pennsylvania? And don't say West Virginia. And don't say Maryland. New Jersey. Oh, I forgot about that. Don't say that and don't say Delaware. Another state. New York. New York. Ohio. Ohio. Oh. That's my A student there. You just said good morning in Japanese. So lingual learn communications. If you study at lingual learn communications and you learn Spanish, I promise you that you will no longer be counting sheep at night, but you're going to be counting bulls in a bull ring. Come to lingual learn communications where good communications lead to good relations. Okay, I'm finished. Any questions? Yes, yeah, what's there the special? <laughs> what was that? She said, "What was the special?" That was it. You spoke the whole. Oh. <laughs> yes, I know you were half. Got us. She was going to say, "Okay, you guys." Um, the first person that has a question, Jeanette. So I have two questions for you. Um, the first is, can you spell Berlitz and Barnes? Yeah, Berlitz is B-E-R-L-I-T-Z. And the Barons is B-A-R-R-O-N-S. Okay. And if I do get crazy enough to want to think about this, um, how do we contact you? Well, um, we're not supposed to give contact information on the radio, I don't think, are we? That I understand, but so, can um, through, maybe, well, maybe you can send it to Cindy and she can put it on the Yeah, send it to the community. What is it? Community. Yeah. Okay. I'm willing to give my number, but I, I was. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, if you don't mind sending it to Cindy, I'm happy to do it that way. Okay. Um, Wesley? Yes, uh, I'm on a low income, and I wonder where can I go to kind of learn a language from the ground up uh, for, you know, not too much money or no money at all. What language do you want to learn? Spanish. I would start with the Hadley Conversational Spanish course. It's free, and, and, and it's guided, and it, you can do it from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to worry about transportation. You'll have a teacher. Okay, and they would teach me from the ground up, or do you already know how to speak Spanish before going there? I believe they just, I, I believe they would start from the beginning because, you know, most courses will start. You can ask them. I, when I looked at the course, there weren't any prerequisites, prerequisites, which tells me that you you could learn from the ground up, and that'd be a good way to start, anyhow. Thank you, Wes. Okay. Okay, thank you very, very much. I noticed that before at the, when, during the convention, and I wasn't paying you look at it at anyway. Well, thank you very much. Hey, Carla. Hey. 
Uh, this is Sharon Clark. I was with you last night with the teachers. Um, for at Pinnards, we actually teach the bro code for all the foreign languages. What is your opinion? Because I've heard we have the American version for the the foreign language codes, but then there's also a different code for um, different countries. Yes, and what happens the debate going back and forth and what we should be teaching? Well, most of the textbooks that are published in America and even some of the ones that are published abroad will use the uncontracted Braille that's sort of that's what I thought. Okay. But knowing that, um, and I've had to contend with this as a language major, if you get literature and you get books from the country, it, it might they might be written in their version of um, of contracted Braille, and you can see nothing. German. Oh my gosh! Yes, it's it's. That's it's, what I thought too. <laughs> because they're different. They're different letter groups that are important okay. in different languages, and you ain't experienced nothing yet until you've experienced German grade two. It is so. Intense. I think I've seen it. Oh, but it was so gobbledygook. I'm like, oh, no, 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 we're not doing this. Because <laughs> at any one time, I can be doing Spanish, Brazil, Italian. Fortunately, most of my students end up taking either uh, Spanish or French. So at least I know the the American version to at least get. I've only taken Spanish, so I don't know all the nuances. I just know enough to get them through the code. Then they can learn in class. So, right. Um, so I would stick to the um, uncontracted. Makes it easier for us. <laughs> sure. But thank you. Thanks for your question, um, Donna. Um, so I've been working on the Duolingo app on Spanish. Um, I worked with Spanish in high school, but it was difficult because I had trouble getting stuff off the board and. Um, the grammar gives me some issues, but I'm noticing something interesting and I don't quite understand it. And I don't know if it's backwards or what. I'm noticing that I'm able to read it much easier than if you tell me to say something in the language. I can read it and translate it better than I can turn it around the other way. Well, that it, it is true that there are the, the five competencies that I told you about. The reading and the the um, okay, the reading and the listening are often they'll come easier and they'll come first, and they will be easier to do than the writing or the speaking. And you're using the reading when you're doing reading and listening, it's being modeled for you. And so, it, you know, do as much reading as you can and listening as you can, and and see as many examples of something as you can, and then the writing and the speaking will come to you much easier. So I'm headed in the right direction, is what you're saying? Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> Yay. Thanks, Donna. Deborah, you have a question? Yeah. Um, so I'm at a different state. I'm, um, I've am i just finished um, Spanish 1, 2, and 3 at the college where I work. And so I'm at an intermediate level now where I often understand most words, but not every word. And I think I would like to start reading simple children's books in Spanish or watching like, um, I don't know, Sesame Street would be like right up my alley. How can I find, whenever I turn on the TV, the news is way too fast for me to understand. How can I find children's programming or, and I've looked on Bard too. 
I found the ugly duckling, but that was about it. I need more audiobooks and children's like programming. Well, um, you could go to there. There are teachers' catalogs that have a lot of of um, you know children's books, and mm -hmm. that's a whole other set of of um, of categories. The one um, one of my favorite category one of my favorite catalogs is Carlex, and I'm going to see if I can real quickly find Carlex for you. Um, um, but Carlex um, has Spanish and French teaching materials. Okay, and I'm I'm looking for it as we speak. I'm not a good multitasker, but um, <laughs> it's okay, me neither. But Carlex is spelled C-A-R-L-E-X, and um, I'm gonna. I will I look. My, yes, C-A-R-L-E-X. Um, I'm trying to find my. Thanks for your question, Deborah. Um, we have Carla. We have about four minutes left. Okay. There's a couple more questions. All righty. Phyllis, you can unmute yourself. Okay, I'll go to Diane. Go can and you unmute hear yourself. Me? Yes. Okay. Um, about a year and a half ago, when I went to China, I was trying to learn some basic Mandarin, and I really had trouble finding. And I looked in Bard, and I looked in uh, Bookshare, and uh, I, I just had a lot of trouble finding something useful. But also, if I if I find something where it speaks, I I can't always understand it exactly, and then I don't know how it's spelled. So I wondered what you what you had as far as any ideas about Mandarin. Well, I would go to Audio Forum, and um, I can't help you much with the the, the writing of it. And the one problem with Chinese is it's what is called a, a polytonic uh, language. In other words, if you say, you say ma, you say ma, ma, you've got three different words. You know, it can mean mother, it can mean steel, it can mean different things. And it's a different alphabet than ours. So, and it's funny, I, I have a Japanese Braille calendar and, you know, it's the same six dot cell, but you can't recognize a thing. And it's because they use different alphabets. And so that's what you're running into. But mm -hmm. Audio Forum does have um, does have Chinese. And I think there is Mandarin Chinese. So you might check Audio Forum out. And by the way, I did find Carlex for you. C-A-R-L-E-X. It's 1-800-526-3768. And its website is www.carlexonline.com. And you're going to find a lot of children's stuff there. Okay, thank you for your question. Diane? Okay, but I wish I could help you more with the Chinese, but that, that's, or the, you know, the Mandarin. I bet that in the Mandarin Chinese, but I just, that's the best I think I can offer on that. That's fine. Thank you. You're welcome. Can I ask my question? Yes, you can. Thank you. Um, now, when I was learning Spanish and French, of course, we had to we had to try and reproduce all the diarises and añes and um, circumflexes and all that you know, all those accent mark type things on an American typewriter. And, you know, I think we had a workaround that, you know, maybe came close to reproducing those letters. But I'm wondering, in the current computer age, is it possible 
like to change your keyboard if you're learning a language and you want to you want to write it is yes, it possible to change your keyboard to have the the required marks for the language that you're trying to write in yes and in fact there are other ways of doing it there are alt codes for all the foreign characters and national braille press had a had a booklet out at one time about um about um entering you know um, different characters from your keyboard and like um, if you pressed a control grave, any letter after that was grave. But I think all of those character sets have to be enabled. Something happened when window eyes went away and other people have gotten it to work in JAWS. And I can't get it to come back in JAWS. But there's that. Or you can just switch over in Word to the language keyboard of the language you're reproducing. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. You're okay, welcome. Carla, it's about not um, 10 p.m. Eastern, so. Okay, I just want to thank you all for coming, and I hope that that my seminar has um, has um, met your expectations and that I told you something useful, and if nothing else, you had a little bit of fun and learned something, and I just want to thank wish you. you all the best, and I'll just say au revoir, arrivederci, <laughs> and I'll say adios, and I will say um, Banchons, good luck. Hasta luego. Hasta luego. Hasta I could do that. Hasta la vista. Hasta la vista, baby. baby. Hasta la vista. <laughs> Buenos noches. Buenas Buenas noches. noches. It's feminine, so it's buenas noches. <laughs> I think Duolingo has that wrong. I think I see it spelled wrong then. Uh, well, sometimes, you know, one thing I don't like about them is sometimes they'll present wrong spellings of things that are just close enough. And I don't think you should see wrong spellings of things in a program. Yeah, because I thought no. it was Buenos Noches that I learned Buenos Noches from them. Oh, bad, bad Duolingo. Yeah. Gracias. Adios. Well, um, de nada. Adios. <laughs> bye bye. Okay. Bye, everyone.